Alrighty, good afternoon everybody. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength Finishing Podcast. I am joined as always by my co-host Dr. Ross Childs. How goes it everyone? Hope you're enjoying uh, this Wednesday, Thursday by the time you guys uh, listen to this. Uh, I'll probably be a little off today. It's been it's been raining out. It's a little gray. Uh, I'm not getting used to the to the no sun, but uh, it's humid outside, so that's Disgusting. That's been, well, it's been it's weird because now I'm in the mode where it's like I want to use my butt warmer all the time in my car. <laughs> yeah. So it's humid out. So now the car got hot really really quick and I started sweating on the way to school. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, I got I got COVID. Right. So now oh, I'm worried. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that. oh shit. <laughs> um, so it's just one of those one of those weird days. But we're here. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, we had some nice nice responses from uh, listeners last week. They were glad to see that we we were back and they were glad that we were able to take a couple weeks off and kind of. Re, recenter ourselves, come up with some good ideas, and uh, you know we got at least the next two months lined up for you guys. So hopefully you enjoy. Uh, anything new in the world of Adam? No, not really. Still working on getting things up and running for online travel. Well, I mean, it's up and running, but anybody who you know was involved in a business knows that up and running is kind of a fluid thing. But yeah, I, I mean. I'm sure when you least expect it, every, the, the flood do, the floodgates are going to open, and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. Then you'll know, be sitting right? on some yacht somewhere designing programs, right. working two hours a day maximum, yeah. <laughs> and then forget about us peons. So, all right. So today uh, we're going to talk about stability training. Now, the reason this came about is quite often when I'm talking to students at school or when patients come in and say, "Well, I've done stability exercise X, Y, and Z." Uh, they think there's some magical exercise, and, and this was true in the strength and conditioning world before I got into physical therapy, and it, it's probably you've probably seen it the same way, that people just talk about stabilization as it's its own magical entity. It's, it's, right. it's a unicorn, um, and it's not. You know, Really, when we talk about exercise or exercises that we're going to prescribe for someone, it's the intent and in why we're using them. And, and I think people get caught up in that. You know, it's, it's like that, that shiny new toy. You, fl- you put a fancy word to it, and now all of a sudden someone wants to use it or give it, or, and it's the next best thing since sliced bread. You know, and, it, it, and it's other things, like when we talk about like fascial fitness versus stretching. Yeah, there may be some nuances to it, but you're still stretching the system. You know? and, and I have a hard time when people are just so dogmatic, and they're like, you have to do this for this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you can't you can't affect one system without changing the next. So can we take a regular exercise that we give and explain how we're getting the same benefits from it? Yeah. Um, but I think we have to take a step back and really define what stability actually is. So first question for you, Adam. Yeah. I was just going to go right into the, the definitions part. But would you say that more often than not, people confuse strength and stability. Yeah, I think so. Or they, you know, try to find ways to overemphasize stability before they even have strength. So I think it sounds like you and I are in agreement that you need strength as the foundation. Yeah. Strength is the bottom tier. And and again, even when you're strengthening, you're still stabilizing. Mm-hmm. But you're not having that exact emphasis. So we're on the same page with that. Now, have you ever seen someone with incredible strength have poor stability? Yes. All right, good. Now, have you ever seen someone with poor strength have great stability? 
No. Or not, I mean, not that rare not to this point. Yeah, I was going to say. Rare. I mean, not like, I'm not talking, you know, falling all over the place because they're so yeah. unstable. Yeah, but, we're talking like functional strength. Yeah, but you like know? somebody that's not strong usually can't just like rock out a fit, like a perfect single leg deadlift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, if we look at it as, have I seen people that can bench 500 pounds not be stable in single leg stance? Yes. Yeah. They're strong to task. Um but when you look at the average individual, you know, it, it, as long as you are strong functionally, you know, daily activity type stuff, uh, then generally stability can, it's decent, you know, and that's the nice part. And generally it's, it's a consequence of aging. It's a consequence of not needing to use it. We also have to talk about stability in terms that it's not necessarily, we're not trying to keep something still. And that that's what a lot of us really think it is. So, you know, you have external rotation exercises you know think about standing external rotation mm-hmm. er you know everyone gives that forever it's a it's a ineffective i won't say ineffective it's an incomplete rotator cuff exercise and they say oh it's a great stabilization exercise well we're strengthening the rotator cuff and we're stabilizing the humeral head the the arm bone in the socket great i can buy that from a functional standpoint, that's not how it works. Really, all they're doing is an isometric bicep curl the whole time. So I don't necessarily want people to think that stability exercise just means holding still. Now, in the case of like a plank, yes, stability is holding still, but it's the control of the muscles, it's the sequencing of the muscle, it's the neurology of the muscle, it's the the sequencing. Um, You know, can you hold yourself upright against gravity? You know, and as long as we we think of it that way, do we have a normal pattern minus compensation? And that, to me, is stability training. And when you open up that definition, you now are opening yourself up to a bigger host of of possibilities with exercises that you can give someone. Mm -hmm. I also feel that you, you drastically simplify what exercises you absolutely need to give. You know, and later on, I'll ask you about giving exercises and I'll say convince me why this is not a stabilization exercise or, or convince me why it is. You and I are pretty much on the same page, so I think we're going to come up with the same answers anywho. But it's just quite often, you know, especially social media, you know, do this stability exercise. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Now, I've given, I've given my kind of definition of, of stability as motor control. You know, and I really look at it as are the smaller muscles really fine-tuning motion. Uh, are they able to hold themselves against gravity? Can they hold the weight overhead the way that they should? So there's a lot of possibilities with it. Um, in your world of strength conditioning, where does stability fit in and what do you define it as? So stability to me is the ability to go through a range of motion while basically keeping your body under control. I don't think it, it doesn't differ that much from your definition, I think, but yeah, it's just can you do this while keep essentially in quotes keeping your balance but keeping your body in control? Can you do a a split squat like a stationary lunge without falling over? Can mm-hmm. you hold your balance on one leg? And then granted that's staying still again, but those are smaller skills that and not only that, but can you keep the joints in a correct range of motion when you need to go through a movement? You know, you see, um, you see somebody who's 
you know, a professional athlete maybe who changes directions quickly is able to plant with the left and go right fast. And then if you were to watch somebody who isn't who isn't as strong, who doesn't have as much stability, they go to plant left and go right, it may take them two extra steps to make the same movement. They may, you know, they may fall left before they can go right. They may straight up fall over when they go to make that transition. It's it's can you control the limb, the body part, whatever it is, through a certain range of motion without something else changing positions well and i think you know we we are definitely on the same page with that but i I like how you highlighted a range of motion Mm -hmm. because that's the important part because again someone may have pain or lack of stability for for just what we're talking about at let's say someone's reaching overhead 150 degrees they can't stabilize or set or control Um, but then next thing you know they're giving them stabilization exercises at 90 degrees below 90 degrees Mm -hmm. So they're they're learning to stabilize in a non-functional position. What what for? It's right. not going to help the arm overhead if you're keeping the arm down by the side. So that it's important to highlight that it's it's once you gain that range of motion or once you need to be in a given motion, can we control it the whole time? You know, uh, an example of that, and I actually just talked about it today with with the uh, the students. We were talking about the concepts of of knee valgus. Mm-hmm. Now, knee valgus, for those of you who are listening, is usually an inward force of the knee, um, kind of points in um, knock knee. So usually knees that come close together. Uh, they say it's usually a predictor of knee injuries when you have twisting of the thigh bone, inward pressure of the knee, and then uh, foot pronation or flattening of the foot. Now, if we look at the normal walking cycle, a valgus stress at the knee is normal during weight acceptance. So if it's a normal function, do we want to try to get rid of it? No. Why? Because then you're going to have problems on the other side. Correct. Now the, the external. Yeah. The yeah. goal is to not necessarily get rid of that valgus. The goal is to control the valgus. Right. Because quite often it's that uncontrolled valgus that leads to a knee injury. You know, planting and twisting. They have, you know, especially if someone plants and then they end up twisting, so to the right, planting left, twisting right. Mm-hmm. If they can't control that valgus stress, which is free energy, yeah, that's when we see MCL tears, um, meniscal tears, ACL, things along those lines. So, uh, as long as we can control the motions, we are better. Best talk of my life. All right. All right, go ahead. So when we're talking about stabilizers, there can be dynamic stabilizers, there can be static uh, static stabilizers, which are more ligaments. Um, We need to strengthen those, not in the sense of building new muscle fibers or fibers in general. They need to attenuate those forces that then take the stress off of the joint. It disperses it throughout the joint correctly. Now, how many people that you've trained in the past or people that just exercise in general, do you feel could benefit from stabilization exercises? So in the sense of like stabilization in the way that you and I are talking about it or in yeah. the stand, yeah, uh, pretty much everybody. Everyone. Yeah. So in that case, it's nothing that's that's novel. You know, right. it's, it's not like, oh, you need stabilization today. Uh, everyone could benefit from it, you know, and, and really it can be implemented right in that's that's really the key part now i know for me personally i don't give a ton of exercises in general and i don't try to think of a ton of exercises in general 
you know, and, and I'm just going to use a, a standing row as an example, a band row. Tell me how that could be a strengthening exercise and how it could be a stabilization exercise. Well, so strength and strength exercise, if you're standing uh, bilaterally, so your feet even with each other, that's going to be a little bit more strength related. I mean, there's still balance in there because if it's, you know, pulling you forward, you have to offset that force. But um, you could make that more stabilization based a couple different ways. You could turn it into a single arm row. So now you're adding in the anti-rotation piece to it which again, you have to hold yourself so that when your, your arm comes forward, essentially, you're not falling forward, falling in you know quotes, yeah. going forward. Or you can take a split stance. So like one foot forward, one foot back, that's gonna decrease your stabilization some. Um, so those are two ways that I would change, that you could do from there. Yeah, and I, I'd even say again, we have to go back to the goal of why we're using it in the first place. You know, there are plenty of times, especially in the reason I picked a row is pretty much everyone gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if it's an ankle issue. I don't care if it's a knee issue, a hip issue. I give it for backs. I give it for cervical. I give it for shoulder. It's what are we trying to accomplish? Quite often for someone with a lower extremity condition or someone who has a low back problem, I look at it as stabilization training from a sequencing standpoint. Let's teach you how to turn on your core. This is how you turn on your anterior core. This is turn posterior core, and then we're getting strengthening up above, Mm -hmm. but really what it's also doing is teaching the body, okay, as my arms move this way, my core has to do this. You know, and same thing with like a shoulder condition or a neck condition, you know, can I sequence the movement of keeping my chin back, my shoulder blades back while my arms go through that forward motion or what we would call translatory or, or linear motion. So for me, there's always, there has to be a stabilizing component to every strength exercise. You know, even if you take the bench press, you know, great strength exercise that a lot of people use, but now all we're trying to do is just groove the pattern. Okay, arms have to be 45 to 60 degrees abducted from the body. We need to come down nice and slow. We can't just jam it off of our chest. We need to make sure that the triceps and the chest are working together to complete motion. So there is some stability for it. Is it functional stability with a bench press? No, that's different. That's when I do a standing uh, standing press, or you could even do like a dumbbell press, you know, half of your body hanging off of it so it creates anti-rotation. Mm-hmm. But pick any exercise and, and just follow kind of that thought process and any exercise, any strength exercise becomes a stability exercise. Yep. Then if you take a stability exercise and someone becomes good at it and they groove the pattern, just by adding external load, it now creates a strength exercise. So I don't know if we want to talk about them as, as being different ends of the spectrum, but it's my intent because now I can just say, you are going to get this one exercise. You're going to get the same one. I want you to focus on this, but I want you to focus on that. So again, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the attitude towards the exercise, the, the intention of the exercise, but also the person's internal attention mm-hmm. also associated with it. You know, really you think about strength exercises, really people just grip it, rip it. You know, they get into the bench, bounce it off their chest, push up, and then, you know, they get up high-fiving each other, chest bumping, because <laughs> someone basically just flung the weight off their chest. There was no control. Um, and that's that's where a lot of people fail is they, they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have to get in there, really think about utilizing the muscle, 
Now, I, I would say from a bodybuilding standpoint, old school bodybuilders, you know, I, I don't know so much about today's. There are some of them that probably do it. But take like Arnold, for example. Mm-hmm. He and Franco Colombo and all those guys talked about the mind-body connection. And when you can actually turn on that sequencing from the brain to the muscle, that creates stabilization. Now, it wasn't a functional position, but now we have to go through and see, okay, am I using the muscle that I want? Am I getting the most recruitment out of that? Or am I just going through the motions? What are some exercises that are good for strength or power that you also think require a large amount of stability, control? So lateral, pretty much anything lateral. Mm-hmm. Um, skaters, hide and jump, whatever you want to call them. Jumping from off of one leg from the left, landing on one leg on the right. Um, forward lunges, walking lunges, that kind of thing. Um, if you want to get into med ball throws, especially lateral med ball throws, mm-hmm. shot puts, scoop tosses, anything where your hips are going through internal and external rotation and you have to start and finish through the entire motion with balance. Sure. Um, oh, Jesus. We didn't, we didn't even talk about balance yet. Right. So, right. I mean, that's... Uh, all right, we're going to need a couple more hours. Yeah, we're going right. to be here for a while. Um, any sort of, anything that involves throwing, catching. I mean, granted, those aren't like, you know, necessarily exercises I'm giving you in, yeah. in training. But anything along those lines. You need some sort of strength, explosive ability, and you need to be able to stabilize the joints. Whether it be to accelerate the concentric portion or decelerate you have to have the stability in order to do both those Correct. things absolutely well and again so you talked about the the acceleration deceleration you know you really think about the stability at that point really comes from the shoulder blade it comes from the spine being able to rotate it comes from your core controlling that it comes from the body dispersing the force or generating force basically from the leg drive through the core through the arm so that you can release the the ball but you can go through any any movement in act daily living and, and you can go through that process and the thing about that sorry i don't mean to no, go ahead no i was going to say like when you're talking about the example of throwing a ball right and being able to stability if you if you're not stable all the way through from the like if let's say that you're a pitcher and you're throwing the ball you're a righty so you push off with the right foot if you don't have good stability then at every single point in the chain between your ankle and your hand you're losing power yeah so you if you're if you're don't have stability through the hips then you're probably going to lose power when you go to straighten your leg and when you go through that rotation at the hips and then you're going to lose power if you don't have the mid you know your mid thoracic sort of Stability. If you fall backwards when you are about to let go of the ball, now the power or, you know, the vectors of the energy and stuff is going in different directions. And if you don't have the stability to carry power from one joint all the way to a more, like through a complex system to another joint, you're going to lose power. It's like if you had 15 extension cords uh, plugged together yep. and somewhere along the way some of the wires are split and not as much electricity goes through that part of it. You just you lose power if you don't have stability throughout the entire system. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned balance and, and I was hoping to, to touch upon this as well. And and for the sake of balance we'll we'll talk about single leg stance because that's what most people relate it with. But when people stand on one leg 
really they think don't fall. Mm-hmm. You know, so they do whatever's possible, and that's when you see people tipping forward, tipping backwards, waving their arms around like idiots. Uh, the only problem is with that, that's what their body then thinks is normal for them. Whereas when we're in single limb stance, we should think about not moving. So control ourselves. So it's really just that change in, in thought process. And, and, you know, you and I had the, the pleasure of kind of evaluating the same person. And first thing that, you know, it's like stand on one leg. It's like now think about not letting your knee move. All of a sudden it becomes a completely different exercise because it went from, oh, geez, I don't want to fall to, holy shit, this is hard. I'm not used to doing this. So it's just adding in that control is really the, the vital component. And you can do that for any any exercise at all. And just back to the, the question that I asked about what exercise, which is strength or power, is requires a lot of stability. We can even then include, you know, Box jumps are another mm-hmm. one that we have to be careful of, or not careful, but that's one that we can add in the list. Um, you know, any type of a hang clean variation, dumbbell, barbell, you know, dumbbell snatch, because mm-hmm. it requires a lot of precision and timing. And without the the stability of the system, you're going to end up wrecking your joints. Or you're going to hurt your shoulder. You know, any any or all of the above. So it's they all have to go together. Now, let's say we have an exercise that's more complex. Pick a squat, for example. Would it be beneficial for someone? Let's just say you, you watch it and they just look like a baby giraffe. It just looks terrible. Yeah. What can you do with that exercise to make that movement pattern easier? Immediately put them on a BOSU. That's right. Make, yep. it, make it even harder. BOSUs are everything. Because if, if they don't fall, they're not doing it right. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so... Um, find a way to stabilize them in some form. I mean, you can do, you know, sometimes it comes down to coaching, like find a, find a spot straight ahead on the wall and stare at that spot. That works. I mean, you learn about that when you're a kid, like balance on one leg. Oh, I can't hold my balance. Okay. Look straight at this spot. Oh, I can balance. Yeah. That works more often than not when it comes to split squats and things like that, where, um, you know, not changing perception so like a single leg deadlift a lot of times is harder for people because their vision moves as they move correct versus other ones where they don't you know they're focusing on the same spot the entire time mm-hmm. um if you have somebody that's really bad or not bad but needs more work uh you know trx's and things like that things that allow them to control how much stability they actually need when going through a range of yeah. motion yeah, because a lot of us require a large amount of stability against gravity, so mm-hmm. standing upright. And we can't sequence those movements together. So really deconstructing the movement pattern against gravity or removing those stability requirements allows people to really learn those pattern patterns better. Now, if someone has, from an orthopedic standpoint, if someone has a, a true joint mobility problem, you know, you can deconstruct the pattern all you want. There's going to be a consistent limitation. So this is purely we're talking about, okay, they have a sequencing problem. Something is not adding up. They're, they're compensating when they shouldn't. Uh, that's, that's when we can deconstruct and, and things tend to go well. They, they typically won't necessarily have pain, although I have seen inconsistent pain with more stabilization deficits. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can get fancy with it. Like sometimes they talk about kinesthetic awareness. It's very rare that we actually see true proprioceptive deficits. You know, generally it's going to be caused by something else, but even the research states that 
you know, probably less than 10% of issues are actually proprioceptive. So when we think of it that way, it's like, all right, what can we affect right now? But when someone truly has proprioceptive issues or they have some type of body sense uh, in space awareness issues, you can lift their arm, ask them which direction you're moving their arm in, and they won't get it. And that, how often have you seen that? No. Yeah, no. It's it's rare to begin with. So, again, it, it's another type of, you know, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. It's just a, a fancy word. makes it sound beautiful. Right. And, and people really play off of that. So, now... We can't also just sit here and say, well, stabilization exercises don't exist. The, the current thought process with stabilization should change, not that they shouldn't exist. Now, what are some common exercises that you like to give for stability and what reason do you give them? So usually I what I'm trying to do is give similar exercises to what we would do and add a, a unilateral or a joint stability emphasis to it. So for example... If you were to tell me that I was working on a push movement and I wanted to find some way to add some amount of stability to it, I would probably not have somebody do a barbell bench press, but I may have somebody do a dumbbell bench press or a single arm dumbbell bench press or something that causes that the need for more stability-based um, training rather than being able to be kind of offset and making it easier. Uh a goblet squat instead of a hack squat. Yeah. Um, a, let's see, what else? A rear foot elevated split squat instead of a regular split squat. That's a little bit different, but it does add a little bit more stability into it. Um, I'm not sure if that's quite what you mean or if you or if you mean more strictly stability-based stuff. No, like, no, because you gave me the thought process behind it. Um, we can take that and go one step further. If there were three stabilization exercises that you think every person should do just for healthy living, what would you give? Split squat, single leg deadlift, and probably a lateral squat or lateral lunge or something like that. All right, so... Oh, maybe like an... I'd probably... Let me take the lateral one out of there. Probably an anti-rotation press or a paloff press. And you can always add variations into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would definitely say a goblet squat is high up there for me. Okay. Um... I would say probably a, a rear foot elevated split squat as long as they can do a, a traditional split squat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that wouldn't be fine. Uh, five of them, huh? God, I screwed myself on this one. Oh, did you say five? Sorry, I heard three. Or maybe three. three. Yeah, maybe I said three. Uh, single leg deadlifts are mm -hmm. high up there for me because that's a lot of control. Uh, let's see. What about some upper body ones? So if we take the off press and just lump it in as a core what's mm -hmm. what's some type of an upper body motor control exercise that that we could do in something like a that's from the anti-rotation press or just, just any in, sort of a, in general what would, I you, like, what would you give half kneeling i mean if you have somebody who's able to overhead press something like a half kneeling overhead press is one i like i was thinking overhead press too but i wasn't considering half kneeling and i like that because it increases their base of support yeah I mean, assuming that they can do a regular overhead press sure. from a movement perspective. But, yeah. Um, you know, I've gotten we've gotten fancy before with like a, a loaded half kneeling single arm overhead press, like a like hold it. At, at, that's not really necessary for most people. Yeah. But. I'm trying to think what else. You know, probably I, I would do probably some type of like a ring row. Yeah. That's something that I wouldn't mind people do as kind of an activation exercise. And I don't care if someone's 
vertical or uh, horizontal to the ground. You can do things like, um, oh, what's the name of that drill? I can't think of it. The uh, So forearms and the TRX straps reach, but you're in a stand, like a standing plant. Can't think of the... Uh, I, I just call them the body saw. Yeah, essentially, just a yeah, know, just, leaning just forward. single arm. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And that's a good one to do. I like that one a lot. Yeah, uh, I have given that to a lot of lot of people in the past. But that would be a great facilitation or activation exercise. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I think a lot of people don't recognize that when we do these stabilization exercises or activation patterns, those muscles are more likely going to work during the exercise with the bigger muscles exactly, yeah. that tend to take over, which then causes the stabilizers to shut down. And then it just becomes a perpetual cycle. And then, unfortunately, it just gets to a certain point that stabilizers are just, hey, I'm not doing this for you anymore. And then it ends up causing people rounding forward, shoulder impingement, hip impingement, um, so on and so forth. So, you know, take a pick and you can kind of walk down the list of what can cause what issue. You know, and I, I think one area where people are really lacking for stability exercises, if we'd want to call it that, are usually people with any type of lower extremity issue. Mm -hmm. More specifically, the hip is where I see most of the issue. Yes. Um, And I'd say the ankle too, but again, we, we have to look at it in terms of mobility. So I always, this took a long time, like I say a long time, five years into, into being a PT, I said, you know, we we really focus on, this was after learning the mobility stability continuum. If we're teaching mobility, then why do we, or if the shoulder, for example, is a mobile joint, why do we teach stabilization exercises? I was like, this doesn't make sense. However, we need to then control the entire motion. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the key part. So I think a lot of people don't remember that as far, one, they don't realize the ankle's mobile, but two, they don't do enough stabilization. And for the hip, they don't consider the importance of lateral stability for, for frontal pl- or sagittal plane motion. Yeah. Um, so you think about someone who does that lunge, they don't have any frontal plane stability, and they, their knee just drops in. And they, oh, I have inside knee pain. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, I wonder why. Um, or you get the person that has poor mobility at the ankle, all of a sudden they pronate and then that causes the hip to internally rotate and then it just continues down the line and then their trunk leans forward um, and then they have a small base of support. So it really is, is there needs to be more emphasis placed onto it. And we've talked about it before and, and you pointed out lateral lunges because that frontal plane is so important for people to go front to back, from side to side to also be able to, to rotate, pivot, create agility, whatever whatever we choose to, to call it. Now, when we're dealing with a, a non-athlete, what would you say the one exercise would be? If you had to give a non-athlete one stabilization exercise, what's, what's your home run? If I don't know if I'm going too far away from our what we were originally saying, but a non-athlete, somebody that's just picking the stuff up, something like a, something like a carry, a loaded carry, an offset carry. Um, outside of that, it's some sort of split squat pattern, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, would be my. I'd even say I'd even go and say uh, just going back to our single leg deadlift. 
Yeah. You know, and, and then we can do a, a unilateral hold with a weight. We can do uh, picking a weight from the ground, bringing a weight to the ground. So I, I still think that's, that's a very good exercise to do because it's teaching a hip hinge pattern. We're getting more pelvis on femur rotation, mm -hmm. uh, assuming they don't screw up their back, things along those lines. Well, right. um, but I, but I, I see a lot of value in it, and I give a lot of people that exercise. But I agree with the split stance or the split squat uh, and the carry. I was hoping that would come up at some point because, again, it's all about control. Mm -hmm. You know, Really, if you're sequencing everything to work together, it's not that the weight's not heavy, but it's almost weightless because the line of gravity and the line of pull of the weights really go through the center of all the joints. Right. So you're lined up pretty easily. Whereas you fall into the trap of the weight's too heavy, you roll your shoulders forward, now your center of mass is, is moving more towards the front of your base support, and now you have to have a cheating pattern. Or you get the people that will go into um, lower thoracic extension, they lock it out, and then they are now tipping their center of mass backwards. So the, the farmer's carry, I mean, it's good for everything as far as I'm concerned. Warm up, main exercise, cool down, active recovery. Metabolic. Um, yeah, just grab two heavy kettlebells, walk 100 yards, and if you're not winded, then you didn't do it right. Yeah, or you grab something way too light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, think about it. If you could just do something like a heavy farmer's carry, then a heavy sled pushback, mm -hmm. heavy farmer's carry, and then a sprint, I'd probably have to take a nap that day. Yeah. I mean, 100 You'd yards is a long distance. Yeah. I mean, you hear about people that are, and we're getting off track now, but that's fine. But you hear about people like, grabbing heavy kettlebells, pulling a 70-pound sled, and walking a mile. Yeah. Like, my knees hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm sore listening to that. I did it for a half mile here once. I measured out the green and did it for a half mile, and I was destroyed. It I wasn't did, seven. I think I put my body weight on the sled. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit more, but... I, yeah. I did it one time for 10 minutes straight. I started the clock. Yeah. But I only had 45s on there. Maybe a little bit more, but not, not a lot because I wanted to use the low handles coming back. Oh, okay, yeah. Five minutes in, I'm huffing and puffing. Oh, yeah. Ten minutes in, like I couldn't feel my calves. I, I had an out-of-body experience. I mean, that was that was brutal. And ten minutes straight, if you're going at a consistent pace, you're going to get effed up very quickly. Yep. So, uh, let's see. Anything else that you wanted to touch upon with stability training? No, not really. I think that was a pretty good... Uh Kind of a nice reintroduction. We've talked about it before. Um, and it's something I'm sure that we'll continually come back to because eventually we'll talk about strength training for uh, skiers. And that's another great example of we need lateral stability mm -hmm. in order to go down the mountain. So, all right, guys, you know the drill. Um, certainly feel free to reach out with ideas if you have any questions, if you want more specifics about exercises that you can do for stability. But... Uh, just going on and Googling stabilization exercises, you know, you're, you're going to get the basic stuff, but I start to question, do we even really need it at that point? So like I said, feel free to reach out. Adam put everything in the, uh, the links below. So if you have any questions for us, if you want to have training from him, if you want to go on to my full script, if you want to join my Ask Ross Anything, um, you know, we're just trying to help you guys out as much as we can. So, and hopefully you guys continue to get something out of that. So with that said, uh, we're going to sign out and we'll talk to you next week. Later, guys. See ya.